Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. It's, uh, it's been a rough but go we did We Super talked Chris. about that a little while ago. I forget which episode, and I think I have the stats here, uh, about how many games. Yeah, there it is. So I've got three against the sub the sub teams. Like there's, yeah. <coughs> so there's the Cougars, Demons, Pawn Hogs, and who am I forgetting? That's about it, man. That, those are your three sub 500 teams. That is it. That's it. Okay. So I've got three against those three. You've got four against those three. Apocalypse have five against those three. And then the Royals and Bucks each have seven apiece against those bottom three, where you would assume it's a win. You just got so Jimmy, uh, you got jimmied. <laughs> you got big time. <laughs> I, I've got if you're looking at those those matchups as being surefire wins, I've got three wins left the rest of the way, at least against those teams. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you've got four. Apocalypse has five. Bucks and Royals have seven apiece. So it suggests oh. what is the standings right now? Because it suggests uh, they're getting so real. They're if getting they get real. seven, it's eighteen. And apocalypse of five, that would be yeah. So the Royals are going to win the season if we just go by this. Like it's very. Awesome. I mean, it's oh, and I just jinxed him again. Oh, he's going to be so happy. I'm putting this in the show. We're in it. Sorry, we're starting with CFHL. Okay, this we're, is we're, it. We're I, I want the jinx. I want the okay. jinx. <laughs> we are starting off with check. Yeah, Mathani. Check. It's it. been checked. Okay. And we're going to jinx it. We're going to we're okay. going to put something in there. Oh, okay. that sounds weird. Oh, don't say that. Are, are oh, we, that's got to be it. We're going to put something in there? Are that's we not put, right. Are we officially putting a hex on both the Royals and the Apocalypse? Is that what we're doing? So, Royals and Apocalypse. So, uh no, Apocalypse not so much. Let's, I mean, no, it, it's no, 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 very much so. <laughs> very much. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, that's very fine, much, man. I don't very care. much, very much, please. Uh, hex on everybody. I don't care. Everybody but me, right? Like I'm, Joel, I'm Joel, the one. Love you, Joel, for sure. Scott, yeah. love no, you don't. too. No, not right now. Just nope. Don't watch your nope. teams doing well. Sorry, <laughs> it's our show, no. and no we love. can say what we want. I want to win. You won last year. It's my turn. Uh, <laughs> I, I need okay. to win. And I'm sorry, but is my win not going to be a little bit more impressive if I go the back end and win seven of my last ten weeks against? The teams that are in the running currently, that would be an impressive you know run. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll say it right now. I'll say it on the program. Yeah. And I will not okay. back down from this. If okay. if the Brigands win their first championship this year, when I show up to your place for a celebratory uh, backyard uh, uh, <laughs> drunk yeah. fest, if you will, <laughs> oh, yeah. I buy the case. Deal? Oh, Damn. Dude, I like craft beer, by the way. So it, you show up with Labatt's or Molson, and you're going to be sitting outside by yourself. So <laughs> a six-pack, then. <laughs> <laughs> Good shift. Always got to be ready to pivot. Well, you know, you got to adapt. You got to adapt. That's right. <laughs> All right, so let's well get done. in. Let's get into it, bud. Like it's, it was a two-week matchup here. So like we've been playing the same team for the past two weeks. We're all done now. It was finished on Sunday. Not like there was anything going on in the weekend. Uh, not <laughs> not like I could come back during the All Star game or anything like that. Um, so <laughs> there has been some more movement in the league. Um, obviously, we're going to go over that really quickly here with uh, Joel in first. Now the Apocalypse. Uh, are at the top of the table, 11 and 4, uh, followed closely by the Royals, who are, who, by the way, 
<laughs> for any kind of hex or jinx that we put on this guy, <laughs> he's been winning for the last month and a week. Yeah. So he's okay. Take that hex. He's okay. Five what in it's a row. Worth. That's fine. 11 and five. Yeah. So Scott's got second. Um, things start to get pretty interesting here uh, for third. Both myself and you uh, are tied for third place in the league. If we're being technical, I suppose I would actually have third and you would have fourth mm -hmm. and uh, three points for. Uh, yep. Next up, so fifth place would be the Buccaneers at nine and six. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the loss that he just took, didn't that, I believe that broke his winning streak. I believe that yes, broke I, his I, winning I, sh I, I shattered it, much like his ankle, by the way. I don't know if you heard. He um, shattered his ankle. My Lord, I need to call my second father. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Duly yeah. noted. It'll be all right. Uh, bringing up <laughs> sixth place would be the Demons at 4 and 12. Uh, and we've got the Cougars that would be in in seventh place. Sorry, at three eleven and two, and bringing up the rear would be the Pawn Hogs at three and thirteen. So a little bit, a little bit of movement here, Scott. You know, Scott's on quite a bit of a heater here, uh, seven two against his own division, which you take that for what it's worth. Um, but he has been playing. Oh my God! Speaking of which, there's my dad. <laughs> oh no. I, I'm just going to take it. Yeah, go ahead. Do your thing. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll be quick about it. No worries, man. Let's let's see what he has to say. Oh, you know what? Sorry. It's actually, it's my mom. Oh. oh. Hello? Wait. You are going oh, okay. to have to edit this part out. Okay. It's okay. It's funny because we're in the middle of shooting, the sh doing the show, and I just mentioned dad. So I was like, oh, maybe that's him. So yeah, <laughs> so that's interesting. We'll keep it in the show. Just make it interesting. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Love you, mom. Okay. Bye. No, we're good. Everything's fine. Left a little surprise for I'm, you whenever you listen to the yeah. Listen back to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Keep it going. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. So there's your standings, folks. So it's things are getting tighter. Scott's making a little bit of a move here. I've had a rough go uh in all reality since Christmas time. Uh lost four games or three games in the last like month and a half or whatever it is. So having a tough go myself. You are on uh, a nice little uh winning streak, three uh three wins. So Joel gets back into the winning uh winning column. Uh, at the top of the league. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Uh, big second half to come, for sure. Uh, Joel definitely has a little bit of the inside track. We kind of already went over that a little bit in regards to uh, strength of schedule. Uh, you seem to have the toughest go out of the bunch. Not sure why, seeing as I won last year. Seem to. Um, seem to. Yeah. Seem to. Thank so you. We got we to gotta maybe check in on that, see what the s situation is there. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I mean, we're getting right back into it here. And second half Jesus. of the season. Can I mention something too? You, okay. You can, you so, the, uh, poor, just poor Marty. That's, that's, this whole show is going to be poor Marty. So <laughs> two oh, weeks. So last week, my, uh, the Buccaneers being right in there, I beat them last week. The week before that I beat Joel. So I'm, I've got two weeks. Uh, so I got Joel, my dad, then you. Three Solid weeks in wins. a row. Solid. Yeah. Ho hopefully, if I beat you, it, it's a win, right? Um, but then I don't know who I play after that. So anyways, you're yeah, maybe we should have a look at the schedule and have a look at what's going on. Marty's feeling picked on. 
I will bring it up to uh, Mr. Commission. and we will uh, see. Oh my we God. will see what we can do for you. <laughs> Look, Apocalypse, Buccaneers, Dragons, Apocalypse, Royals. Five in a row. I mean, to be fair, we didn't. No one knew the Royals were like. It, it's a. It, it's a. It's a luck of the draw. Is yes. what it is. Like, there's no way. Like every any one of these teams could have been. Although any, you wouldn't have imagined the Apocalypse or the Dragons to be out of it. Bucks maybe, but Royals. Well, but anyways, every, it's just luck of the draw. While, That's all while we're talking about strength of schedule, we can kind of. There's a perfect example of somebody taking advantage of, uh, of the schedule itself, and that would be the Royals. Um, for our, for our fans and our listeners out there, just to give you an idea how this works, basically the top teams will have a harder schedule the following year, and the teams that finish at the bottom uh, of the league will have somewhat of an easier schedule, so to speak, um, in regards to the teams that they're playing. So last year, I believe that the Royals kind of finished in the bottom four, if I'm not mistaken. So they, in turn, would have an easier schedule. Now, Scott, and, and we've talked about it on the show before, Marty, there's those years where certain teams, and I went through it, uh, I know that I'm sure that Joel went through it as well, where you've got that team that makes that move from one year to the next. And that's what's, right. that's what's happened with Scott here. He's got quite a solid team, came out of the gates on fire, Caulfield, Suzuki playing well, and he's just continued his season that way and is obviously yeah. taking advantage of his schedule, which is pit, putting him against some of the quote-unquote weaker teams in our <coughs> league. So right. just just a little side note there for our listeners and our fans of right. how some of the ebbs and flows of our league work. Uh, Scott and the Royals are definitely taking advantage of strength the schedule for sure. Yeah. And again, like a lot of it is still based around luck. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of these teams, like as an example, Tom, I did not see Tom having no. this type of season. I fully expected him to be uh, much more competitive than he is. Um, not, he didn't do the wrong thing by any stretch of the imagination. He drafted well. He had a good team. Uh, things just, the bounces just weren't going his way. So he decided, you know, mid-season yeah. to pull the plug and, and do a rebuild. And it makes a lot of sense. He's doing a good job with it. Um, so it's great, all good. So a lot of great didn't see that coming. Nope. And that that was going to affect everybody involved, like the entire league. So because now you've got instead of just having a couple of teams that you were sort of assuming that was uh, already on the rebuild, Tom um, <laughs> threw himself into that hat. And now, you know, now you get to the luxury in that division. You get the luxury of playing against him a few times, knowing full well that your chances of winning are a lot higher than with anybody else. So very true. Very It'll be true. interesting down down the road. Um was there, yeah, was there anything else about the league you wanted to I touch think, on? I think we're pretty good. I think we touched on everything yeah. that we need to. Moving on. Because I need to talk about this oh. Horvat situation. Oh, of course. Oh. Around the boards, folks. Because we're taking it around oh, the boards. God, but we're going to stop in New York because this is. Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, I'll ask you this question real quick. What do you take of Lula Morello's comments about it afterwards? Uh, just a senile old man who probably <laughs> at any point is probably ready to kind of exit stage was left. He drinking may have been, may no, have been I, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> Lou is Lou. Everybody knows that the guy's been around forever. Um, you know, he, he probably would have had that same comment a decade ago about these players contracts True, too long True. and, and too expensive, but too much. Money. Um, yep. I mean, at the end of the day, he was in the room when the contract got signed. So if he really didn't like it, I'm. Sure, yeah. he could have stopped it. Um, of course, folks, we're talking about the Islanders and 
adding Bo, uh, Bo Horvat from the Canucks. Uh, and of course, they signed him to an eight-year, $68 million contract. Um, Marty, I think we have a good feeling of how you feel about this. <laughs> um, I, I myself, am, I suppose at the end of the day, I'm probably... I don't want to say I'm on the fence because I'm much more leaning to this being a bit much, um, a little yeah. rich for my tastes. Um, look, I'll, I'll say this first off. I like the player and I actually think he's going to fit great in that system. Uh, I, I don't think that's the problem at all whatsoever. Um, if I'm being honest, I probably would have preferred something around the six year mark at 45 million, which gives you mm-hmm. an, an AV of 7.5 rather than 8.5. Now, listen, that, that's all well and good, and I can prefer whatever I want. But at 27 years old, his agent and the player are going to push for an eight-year contract. It, I mean, that was going to happen no matter what. And, yeah. and you know what? To a certain extent, I really don't have a problem with that either. I mean, you're looking at 35 years old with an eight-year contract, and if a guy takes care of himself, he, you can probably still get some, I'll say, decent production out of the player, uh, you know, even towards the end of that contract. Having said all of that, this is a lot for, I think, the island. Look, for what they gave up, first round, <laughs> Beauvillier and uh, Aturate. That's uh, a, t- a top 12 protected first round pick, by the way, uh, which does move okay. to 2024 if they fall into the, the top 12. It's a good move for what they had to give up. Like that, that's not the problem either. It, it does come down to the richness of that contract for me. I mean, I, I can even stomach the eight years if I really had to. But to me, it's the money. Um, listen, uh, it was kind of funny. I was a small, <coughs> a small back and forth with uh, Scott over Twitter today. And it, for, yeah, it, for, for me, it just comes down to Marty. 8.5 million for a player who's never scored more than 60. Now, he's never scored more than 61 points. I'm pretty sure he's going to kind of put that to rest this year. Uh, I, I foresee him, you know, pushing upwards of 80 here to a certain extent. I, I don't know if I want to go right. much further than that. So, yes, he will bust open that 61 uh, uh, points that he's, that he's gotten. But that's a lot of money. And I understand the cap's going up. I understand that this may continue to look good down the road. But, again, for me, it's just... This player has never scored more than 65 points. Uh, 61 is his top. 8.5 million. Um, you know, you, you, you gotta be you gotta be putting a lot of that cash into the intangibles that this player can bring. Leadership. Um, you know, good in the he, he is good in the room. He's he's gonna be a voice in the room uh, moving forward. So, if that's the case, you're really putting a lot of that 68 million towards that kind of thing. So, again, I, I I would have been much more comfortable at something around the seven point five. And in all reality, if it had, if it really, if it was up to me, and it had to go eight years, I wouldn't have gone over seven. I I, I would not have gone over seven. Fifty six million dollars for a player of that ilk, uh, with his point production, I think is more than uh, uh, adequate. Um, I I don't know. What are your feelings, my man? Um, my biggest issue with all of it is timing. I, I, I don't, so it, to, in a sense, it kind of tells me that Bo 
put this out there early on. If you trade for me, I'm I'm only going to accept it. Did he have a no movement clause at all? Uh, not with Vancouver, no. Now, if I'm not mistaken, so he didn't have a choice. Okay. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I'd have to double check, but I do believe that half of this eight years is no move. Yeah. Uh, no move, and I believe that back four. I think I read 16 teams, but I, again, folks, I could be wrong on all of that, but if I'm not mistaken, but if <laughs> well, I'm not mistaken, I'll it, have a quick look. I do believe that it is uh, kind of cut in half. No, there's no, no movement clause. Oh, shoot. Sorry. This is the one with Vancouver. Um, oh yeah, there we go. So his, uh, yeah, he's got a full, oh, well, no movement clause. Up until 26, 27. So and basically then half the he's contract. got a list. So basically yeah. half the contract. Yeah. So, I yep. mean, and, and, and look, like, don't get me wrong here, folks. Like, I, I, the way he's been playing and the way the league kind of works a little bit now, too, it's kind of what are you going to do for me as opposed to what have you done for me? <laughs> like, and, and that get, gets things a little bit convoluted for me, but that's a story for another day. I do think that he's going to play quite well here on the first half of this con. I really don't think that that's going to be much of an issue. I, right. s- I still don't see this player as an every year 80 to 85 point player. No, and, and, definitely not. And you know what? If I'm wrong, that that's great. That's great for Bo, Bo Horvat, and I'm, and I'm happy <clears> for him. <throat> I just don't see it. Going from 61 to an 80 point player every year, I just don't see it. So it's like, honest to God, this is, this, he's, he's not going to, you know, fail at being a good hockey player on this team. He's going to do well with some people around him. Mm -hmm. He's going to do fine. But again, my gripe with this is more that the the timing of this either means that he, which again, doesn't make sense. If I'm going back to, if he's had, he didn't have a a no movement clause on his, on his contract. Um, I don't imagine he would have been, he would have had the leverage to say only trade me to these teams. And and those teams need to know that if they take me in, uh, they have to sign me it to an eight year contract or whatever it is. I don't imagine any of that happened. I really don't. I, I, it's why I really don't understand the urgency to sign him right now at eight years. Um, none of that makes any sense. Let him play at least a game before you sign him to anything, before you even have that conversation. You just traded for him. You're not even in the playoffs right now. Why are you rushing to sign him? It, it, I can see rushing to sign McDavid. Not like maybe not an extreme. I can see rushing to sign. Uh, I don't know. Let's say Patrick Kane. Let's say you, you went out and got Patrick Kane. And yes, he's a rental. And I can see rushing to sign in in the sense that, you know, he's got the pedigree for it. Um, and you're pretty sure that he's going to do well with this with this group. At least you can sort of go back on his history and say, hey, this is a former 90, 100 point player, at least a point of game player that you can kind of rely on and just need some talent around him will do fine. Again, I'm not saying that's the right move either. I'm just saying at least there's a reach for a justification. Mm-hmm. With Bo Horvat, there isn't. There is no reach for this urgency to sign him to any contract, let alone an eight-year, let alone an 8.5, which is clearly an overpay, which Lamrello would actually agree with. So none of this makes any sense at all to me. And I think, and I honestly do think the... 
the pressure, not maybe not the pressure, the concept of what this contract is on Bor Horvat will get to him. He will not do what he's doing this year again. Um, he is not in the same capacity of Brady Kachuk, but Brady Kachuk is currently making three hundred thousand less than he is. Are you telling me that these are the these two are the same? people they're the same player there's a similarity between the two but Kachuk is way younger and his ceiling is way higher and yet still making less which is ironic of course because as we all remember I'm the one who said Kachuk's contract was too much so I was wrong then maybe I'm wrong now but I don't think so Horvat does not justify this kind of urgency this kind of money this kind of length none of it so I I don't get any of this because again this in my opinion this does not put them in the playoffs this doesn't necessarily push them like it pushes them closer it certainly doesn't take him further back he is a good player he's very serviceable he's on the first line both even straight and power play but it's not enough they're they need more they better not be done if this is if they're putting everything on Bo Horvat (laughs) and they're doing that for the next eight years that doesn't make any sense to me it's a bad move well I mean as soon as the th- as soon as a trade comes down, my mind starts to kind of race a little bit, right? And I'm like, okay. First of all, it's a team that's outside of the playoffs looking in. Uh, I'm just bringing up the wild card uh, standings here now. So, like, I mean, Washington sitting in wild card one with 60 points. Pittsburgh sitting in wild card two with 57. Buffalo uh, at 50 games played is at 56, and the Islanders at 52 yep. games played um, yeah. are at 55. Now, look. The only thing that I've really been able to kind of conjure up here is Lamarillo knows this team better than anybody. This is a team that went to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals a few years back. Not much has changed in the way of the roster makeup. So, they know they've they've got a pitiful offense and an even more pitiful power play. So, you would have to kind of conceivably think that he will help in both of those areas. You've got an all-star goaltender in Sorokin. You've got an all-world uh, defender or one that, or someone that's rounding into one in Dobson. You do have Barzal in the, on, on the front lines as well. So now you're adding a little bit of punch in regards to Horvat. Um, that The only thing, like I say, I, that I can come up with is that Lou kind of feels like he can squeeze just a little bit more out of this group and he figures if he can get that team into the play because look if we're talking about the new york islanders they're built for the playoffs like they're built more for play true like i mean they're not the speediest team so they're i don't want to say they're getting run out of the building but a team like carolina or another fast team like new jersey they're kind of they're kind of skating circles around them a little so i the only thing that was that made it super exciting for me is, and we kind of mentioned it on the uh, on the program, uh, the Kraken Knights program that we were on yesterday, and that's the fact that the Islanders being out of the playoffs make this first move right. So you got to wonder, okay, teams that are already in it, let alone teams that are just kind of on the outside, like a Buffalo, or potentially like a Pittsburgh, who's been struggling here over the last little while. Um, do they go in a, out and make a move, even though they're not like super solidified playoff spot? It, it's it's going to mm-hmm. be really, really interesting, but a little bit confusing in the overall scheme of things when it comes to the Islanders and and the signing of Bo, Bo Horvat. Um, yeah, 
I, again, again, I don't mind the trade. I don't mind going out and trying to do something to help you get in, get yourself a boost, uh, to get yourself into the playoffs. I don't mind that. I think and I don't mind going out and getting Bor Horvat and thinking that that's going to do it for you. And maybe that's it. That's fine. And then you play it out and then you see, oh, wait, we're in the playoffs. Excellent. Let's go. Or you're not. Okay. Swing and a miss. No big deal. But to sign him now at eight years that just doesn't make it it's completely unnecessary because again i don't understand a situation where horvat is the one dictating that at all because it he doesn't have leverage in this situation and um and but it it might go ahead oh, i was just gonna say and the only other thing that you can really kind of grasp from this is that it's lula Amarillo's mo isn't it i mean when he traded for peugeot out of ottawa he signed oh, him like hours God. later so yeah He's got Palmieri like that too. I, I mean, um, there's quite a few players he's going to be paying a little bit too much to deep into their their careers, and, and it's it's a bit much. And, and 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 look, I mean, you know, anybody who's a hockey fan out there, I mean, has been reading all sorts of stuff about this. I mean, you know, the Pied Piper it will have to be paid here at some point because right now the Islanders don't have a prospect covered. Period. Done. Like they they <laughs> ju- they just don't. They they don't. So there's nothing like this is it here for, I want to say like a good, like the next half decade here. Like this, don't, don't. Could you imagine if this team wins a cup? This is the team that wins a cup. Could you imagine that? Look at this roster. Bailey, Horvat, Barzal, Lee, Nelson, Palmieri, Parise, Pajot, Holmstrom, Martin, uh, Sikas, and Fashing. And could you imagine? And that's why I'm saying like, (laughs) <laughs> like this is what it's weird to say but it's almost like lou okay i don't want to speak for every single year here but i will say in this year this particular year i mean the new york islanders are sitting at 25 and 22 so they're three games above 500 they're plus four differential um they're pretty good at home 15 and 9 they're struggling when they're away um from nassau coliseum 10 10 and 13 um they're three five and two in their last 10 now they've won two in a row here so, again, it's just you really have to kind of look at this and say to yourself, boy, oh, boy, <laughs> Lamarillo is really, really hoping to sneak into the playoffs here because to me, you go up, Marty, you just said it, you, you go up and down that lineup and there's nothing that comes off the page to you in regards to a, a team that can make any, but if you look at it in the sense of, okay, this team's in the playoffs. We know how that barn is for opposing teams. It, it's, it, it can be devastating. They, they, yeah. they, they can, I mean, we've seen it in, in a couple of Eastern Conference uh, marches to the Eastern Conference finals with this team. Once, when that barn's rocking, oh man. Like, and, and, yeah, yeah. and, and the Islanders play a physical style, uh, you know, speed, I don't want to say speed. It, it, speed is still used in the playoffs, <laughs> but yeah. there's a little bit more of the clutch. There's a little bit more of the yeah. grab. So it favors a team like the Islanders if they can get in, but they got they got to get in. You got to get in. The way they're going right now, they're going to end up exactly where they were last year, which is on the outside looking in. They were close. They were 37, 35, and 10. So there's they're sitting at 84 points. It looks like putting a lot of hopes uh, on their goal yeah. There's a they're, they're, yeah, that's they're, for sure. They're pinning a lot of hopes on their goaltending, and uh, as well they should with the makeup of the team, flat out. 
I mean, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but how many times has this worked or sorry, failed? And really, how many times has this actually worked? Like, this reminds me of like trying to ride Dominic Hasek into yeah. the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. And that's essentially what happens. But then when you get there, there's always a team with just a little bit more offense who can score a little bit more and still defend. Mm-hmm. And still have a goalie. Uh, I remember I was watching, there was a Spit and Chicklets, um, Ken Hitchcock was on, and he was talking about how he felt that, uh, I think it was it was a 2005, it was Dallas versus Buffalo, uh, the Brett Hall uh, year there where he put his toe in the crease. Um, and he was saying he still felt that Eddie the Eagle was better than Dominic Hasek, even at that time. Hasek was at the peak of, of, of his career around that time, and yet Ken Hitchcock still felt that his, their chances sat better with uh, Eddie the Eagle. And he was right. Hasek never won a cup. As great as Hasek is, and in my opinion, probably the best goaltender to ever play the game, that's, you can't w- Ken Dryden, I think, would be the last one who won a cup. Uh, on the backs of a goalie, would would that be fair? Like Patrick Wow for sure had his seasons. Uh, maybe Tim Thomas you know that what? one I, year. I, I would I would probably even go that far. Like I mean, some of those Montreal teams leaned on Roy so heavily it wasn't even funny. Yeah. So, and I mean, you yeah. know, yes, the '93 team had uh, Brian Bellows, Kirk Muller, Vincent Damp. So there was a little bit of offensive punch. Like don't get yeah. me wrong. Exactly. But, but let's Absolutely. let's call it what it is. The '93 and it, and for that matter, the '86 cups. Uh, from Montreal, were, yeah. were both pretty heavily uh, leaned on uh, in regards to Patrick Waugh. So I'd probably say maybe like right off the top of my head that that would be one for sure. But I mean, so you, it's not impossible, but it's been so long, and I don't think you can do that anymore. Like I don't you, know, you I, Sorokin is a great friggin' goalie, not but with, I, I, not with the way the not enough. Is. Not with the way the league is. No, you and I both know pa- power plays alone. I don't care how great of a goalie you are. Yeah. Power plays alone. There, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, nah, it's, it, some of these teams, what they can do on the power play, like imagine Edmonton on like their fourth power play of the game. Like, you think you're, like you're telling me that Sorokin's going to stop each one? Like, nah, it's, not, it's no. coming out. And, 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 you know, the only other funny link here to this whole Horvat Lula Murillo thing, if you go back a couple of years, you remember whenever Lamarillo traded his uh, ninth overall pick for Corey Schneider? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Do you remember who Vancouver picked <laughs> with that ninth overall pick? Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat? Are you serious? Very serious. Is that what this is? This is just revenge? I I, I think he's just making up for it, right? He's like, ah, this Schneider thing. Just making up for it, yeah. Schneider thing didn't Ah, work. Let me go out and get Bo. (laughs) (laughs) Making up for last time. Uh, So, yeah, I mean. All right. Horvat, good good trade. Didn't have to give up much for him. I think I I speak for us both here. The the, the real issue for both of us is the contract. Either either through length or money. Or timing, yeah. Or timing, both. It's both. It's well. It's again specifically for me. It's timing, but yeah, definitely. Like if you would have signed him a three-year, like three-year, three-year, wow, three-year, twenty million. Yeah, that's you know, I'd probably be fine with that. At least it's it shows that you, to the player. All right, we're giving you a shot. We're gonna give you three years. Hopefully, it works out. If it does, we'll give you something after that. But again, eight year, no. Well, it you know what though? Moving on. Speak. Speaking of trades, got the trade deadline yeah. coming up in both the league. Uh, the NHL and also in our CFHL as well. Anybody that you got your eyes kind of tuned on to there? Uh, in terms of players or teams? More teams. Oh, in teams. Okay. Well, actually, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of both. Yeah. It's for me, it's, and it's not to say so much that they got my attention, but it's just that they got my curiosity. And it's the Chicago Blackhawks and mm-hmm. specifically Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. Yeah. 
Because um, these two players, it, it, honestly, if they keep them, it, it makes very little sense in regards to what they've been saying and what they've been doing out there, like putting themselves out there like, you know, we got to trade them. Everyone's talking, trade, trade, trade. Um, but for the longest of time, but like both have been suggesting this and they they would move maybe one or two i don't know what they really want now it kind of sounds like um i think i believe her jonathan taze isn't really big on necessarily moving um neither maybe it's because of his and yeah at least that's what so I read now today. they're kind of flip yeah so now they're kind of flip-flopping between the two and i just i honestly don't think they ever it was ever really a good idea to even consider getting rid of them to begin with um i think both them and management should have realized that Okay, listen, if we're going to do this, because it, it's a, the draft class this year, so they may get first, but they most likely will not, and they'll land somewhere within the top 10. And that's fine, because that draft class of those 10 is something to build on. And maybe that's kind of where they should have been, how they should have been managing their team, including Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. Because mm-hmm. um, for as much as they were like, you know, no, we don't want to be part of a rebuilding, that never made any sense to me. They're at an age, and they've won a cup. So they're at an age now where it's like, you don't have to... No one's. It's not like Ray Bork when he was in Boston and he's really cemented his legacy in Boston, but he hadn't won a cup. So even at that point, even Boston fans are like, yeah, go to Colorado, man. Yep. Best of luck. We hope it happens. And sure enough, it did. I think I think this is a little bit different where with Kane and Taze, they had already won a cup. That 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 legacy within Chicago was really kind of already there. But to go one step further and say, you know what? We're not going anywhere. This is a rebuild. We want to be part of that because a rebuild still needs veteran leadership. So let's be here for that. Let's help them out. In fact, when it comes time to it, let's actually sign for for a little bit less, showing that we're willing to help the team out because this is the only team we've ever known. This is family. This is uh, this is our home. Let's show the loyalty that they've shown us. So let's just try to make this work for everybody so that we'll help this team with this rebuild, which let's be frank, if it's done right, and we've seen a lot of teams do this. The rebuild doesn't have to last five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. This could be two, three, four years. And at that point, <clears throat> there's, let's say, there are about 36, 37 at that point. That's Taze and Kane. And you've been with this team, this young core. And who knows? Maybe they actually draft really well and, and you're mentoring really well. And the coach is doing their thing and everything starts to click. And then after two or three years, you're 37 and you're still playing well. You're still playing. Now your team is getting even better. Things are starting to turn around. My goodness, the legacy that that, that would follow you, especially Patrick Kane, where he's currently in the conversation for best U.S.-born player of all time. Points aside, you can look at a move like this where he stays in Chicago and takes a little bit less, mentors the young kids back to another Stanley Cup, and then you end your career with helping out this team win a Stanley Cup on the end. And so you're like, talk about a great bookend for your career. And and same goes for Taze. So I think that's kind of, in my opinion, that's what I'd be stoked for. If I was in Jonathan Taze or Patrick Kane's shoes, that's where I would have been at this year. Rather than all this noise that both management and players had been making about, you know, rebuild and I don't want to be part of it. And, oh, we should trade them while we still can. Otherwise, they're going to walk and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, none of that noise should have happened. It's not too big of a surprise that Chicago kind of mishandled this. A little bit surprising that Kane and Taze didn't feel like they needed to push a little bit more loyalty towards the, t- with the franchise. However, that being said, and I just thought of this now, maybe the the angle 
that they were thinking was because of everything that's been going on with Chicago and how bad of a look that they've got, not just on the league, but in society. Maybe they didn't want to be part of that anymore because they mishandled a lot of things. And let's not go into that. But regardless, all that aside, they're looking, you know, they're still a hockey team and they're still, there's, it's not all bad. There's some good in that history of Chicago Blackhawks. And maybe that's what you want to be a part of. Maybe that's what you want to help rebuild. So that's why I'm thinking at this point, these two guys should actually be actively t- boosting, pumping the tires of this team and the direction they're going and try to bring in a little bit of positivity rather than have this self-imposed mid-February deadline uh, to decide what, what we're going to be doing with ourselves. Like, well, how friggin' awkward is that going to be after the fact if nobody even reaches out? And what, I know some teams have probably reached out, but I, I, it doesn't seem like anyone's really interested in trading for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. I know I've heard, if it's true or not, there's a rumor about Kane's hip. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, even that aside, like it doesn't seem anybody really wants Jonathan Taze, and it doesn't really feel like anyone's eager to get Patrick Kane, one of the best U.S.-born players ever to play the game. And I find that shocking because even last year, he had himself an above point of game season. So I don't know. It, it, I think they can both sides should be handling this a little bit better. So I'm interested in seeing what happens down the stretch. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here in regards to Kane and Taze. And I'm also going to dream in Technicolor a little bit at the same time. <laughs> and what I mean by that is go scorched earth you already traded oh. you already traded the brinket you already traded doc we've had this discussion on uh, many a times undervalued the whole nine yards you, you kind of missed the yeah. boat there if i if i have my way both of those players go home taze gets picked up by the winnipeg jets and and adds another aspect to that team uh you know yeah. face-offs uh leadership uh experience and Kane goes back home to yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo. Wow. That man, that, 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 I like the sounds of that. Now, listen, very now much. Now, listen, yeah. there, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't even looked into that they have the salary cap space and all this other stuff. I would imagine that they, yeah, can, we're not talking about that. We're, we're just kind of, let's just be romantic. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're doing NHL, uh, <laughs> NHL 23 here. So, so <laughs> you know what? Have them both go home. Both teams are would be in need of, of those types of players. I mean, Buffalo could always add a little bit more uh, punch, uh, scoring punch for sure. And, I mean, Taze going back to Winnipeg, I mean, just the intangibles alone, forget his production yeah. um, that he would bring. Now, having said all of that, what I am interested in, what I'm kind of keeping a little bit of an eye on, is basically two little areas. And the first one is in the Pacific Division. Now, my attention is kind of being held by who's kind of grouped together and where can a lot of movement kind of happen if somebody does kind of make a move. And like I just mentioned, the Pacific Division, you got Seattle, LA, Vegas, Edmonton, and Calgary that are kind of bunched up together a little bit. So it's interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting to me, one, who makes the first move and you could argue that a small move was made by the Kraken today. Uh, they, I believe they sent a fourth round pick to the Sharks for Jason Magna, a defenseman. Uh, kind of tough as nails kind of guy. Um, has fought a fair bit over the past couple of years, uh, I was reading today. So that's an area that I'm looking looking forward to. It will really be interesting to see here what Vegas does as well because they have kind of been struggling here we all know what's going on with stone uh eichel has been struggling a little bit as well so we'll see how all of that 
plays out. But you have to wonder if some teams, you know, you got to wonder, is Seattle going to go out there and try and kind of add to what they already have and really kind of boost that that team and kind of give the players uh, themselves a boost too in, in knowing that management is trying to add here. You can go ahead and look yep. at you can go ahead and look at LA. We've talked about them a couple of times this year, Marty. Kind of li- a little bit surprised at where they're at. They're they got plenty of man games ahead um, of several teams. So you you wonder are they due for a little bit of a dip in the standings here? Are they going to go out and make an ad? Particularly, maybe maybe a goaltender, possibly like maybe a, somebody like a Rhymer or something like that. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, you throw Colorado in there. So there's just a lot of angles that you can kind of look at when it comes to the uh, top of that Pacific division. And the other area that's got my interest a little bit. And again, we're, we're talking about some teams that are kind of bunched together here. Uh, and I'm talking about the, uh, Washington Capitals, Pittsburgh Penguins, Buffalo Sabres, uh, New York Islanders, and throw in the Florida Panthers as well there, who, uh, <laughs> who are one point behind the Islanders now at 54 points. So it, it, the Islanders have already made their move. They made, I think they made their big their big move with Horvat. So it will be interesting mm-hmm. to see if, if a team, I know Washington's made a couple of signings over the past couple of days. Sonny Milano signed for three years. Uh, Dylan Strom signed for uh, five years. So there's some things going on in Washington. Are they going to add to that group? Does Ron Hextall uh, decide to add to, uh, you know, a perpetual uh, contender in the Pittsburgh Penguins? We'll see. It just, it, it gets really interesting for like, I mean, you've got all your big boys, right? Like your Bostons and your Torontos and uh, that kind of thing. And you expect them to make some moves, whether they be impactful or more of that third and fourth line kind of thing. But it's those teams that are really kind of bunched up that, you know, although we've made our feelings known about the Islanders and their chances, you know, the Islanders go out and they go and get a big fish, right? Maybe that. Maybe that actually separates them a little bit. Maybe they start making a bit of a run here in the second half. Who knows? We just never know. But those are some of the areas that I'm I'm looking at uh, for sure. And of course, um, my uh, my 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 team, the the Canadians. And what are they going to do during during trade deadline? That's a little bit of a wild card. Uh, we spoke about that on another program uh, the other day. Montreal could do absolutely nothing, and I really don't. Ah, uh, you may have a couple fans that'd be a little bit disappointed, but even if they even if they didn't, I, I I'd be okay with that. I still do think that there's going to be some pieces that are going to move. Uh, Joel Edmondson for one of them. I I see him uh, heading somewhere. Yeah. I would have to think that uh, Edmonton is probably looking very very hard at him, especially with the cap hit. It's not exactly you know debilitating. So, yeah. long story yeah. short, there's a lot a lot of action that could potentially happen here with everything so tight in the standings. Who knows who who goes out and, and decides to make a, you know a splash, whether in or outside of the playoffs. They're gathering pretty creative because as I look, sorry, at least in the East, anyways. Because if I'm looking in the East, as far down as Florida, um, there's only the Rangers and the Devils, who are in the pot in the plus for cap space. Everybody else is the negative. Florida's. Uh, three mil under. Pittsburgh is under a mil. Washington is six mil under. And then Tampa is seven mil under. Toronto is uh, one. Carolina one. And Boston two. So it everybody's got to be creative. At the very Tight. least, in my opinion, yeah, it's it. the moves are not going to be grand. There's going to be some minor moves, I think. Maybe some shuffling here and there. 
But if anything's happening, it's coming. It won't be coming out of the east. I think it'll come out of the west, um, just because there, there's no space. And I haven't really looked at the west. I'm assuming there's some space, but maybe there isn't there either. It seems like cap space is going to be a real issue for a lot of teams this year. Um, it, it's not just <laughs> it's not just Vegas anymore. It's every, it's everybody. Uh, and I don't know how many of these teams have LTIR that they can throw in there. But uh, if we're looking at the west as far down as Nashville. Um, Dallas to me is the best team in the best position to do the best. They've they're 10 million under budget. That's, that's an all-star right there for you. If you want, there's uh, Seattle, 22 million, 6 million for Winnipeg, um, a million for Los Angeles. Uh, (laughs) shockingly Vegas is five over with you mentioning the cap space that both the Dallas stars have and Winnipeg jets have, that could be a nice little. A nice little yeah. s- side note too. It would be interesting. I mean, they're they're neck and neck, sixty six points, sixty five points. Yeah. Winnipeg, Winnipeg has played one more game, so Dallas does have a game up. But man, oh man, like that, that's a bit of a dogfight at the top of the uh, at the top of the West. And I, I'm I'll be interest I'll be interested to see how they um, utilize that cap space. Are they going to go out and and you know get themselves <clears throat> quite a rental? Uh, we'll see. They but, like like you said they could get themselves a Jonathan Taze. It, it, it would be easy for them. It wouldn't really be that big a deal. And you can see that kind of move at least making sense, not just from an emotional standpoint, but from a hockey standpoint. Yeah. Like if you throw him through him down into the third line, let's say, um, shift it around. Like right now, the third line actually maybe you don't want to mess with it. Maybe he goes in the fifth. But holy jeez, what's going on, Winnipeg? So Connor Shifley and Coleman is the first line. And then Baron Dubois and oh Jesus, Maynallen, Maynallenin, oh Maynallenin? yeah, not bad, not bad. That that's that right, last one right. was pretty good. Okay, <laughs> then uh, Perfetti, Lowry, and Wheeler, and then Ehlers, uh, Stenland, and Gagne. This is a good team. Like I, I Ehlers so doing on the fourth like, line. I know, like that's like what the hell's on the fourth? Maybe it's to load management, right? Because yeah. like, he just got back from an injury, you, giving him some time. You, you know what, Rick? Play him. Yeah. Power play one. Do what you want. First line. Let's go. <laughs> You're good. He is. He is on the first power play though, so that's yeah. you know where you Thank sort of God. compensate that. And again, I think it's a load management thing because eventually you got to imagine Ehlers going to end up back in the one of the top six uh, spots. So it, it's. I don't think that's a big deal. So then you got the luxury of throwing in a Jonathan Taze somewhere in there, and I do think there's a big value for him coming on this team, like you said, predominantly because of his experience. It might even give give him a little um, a little boost. Um, just so that, you know, a new surrounding and it's his home. If he, if he was to center, let's say the, the third line with Perfetti and Wheeler, and then you just put Lowry somewhere else and then it's fine. Um, like that's a pretty, that's a great one, two, three, Perfetti, uh, Wheeler and Taze. I mean, that's not terrible. That's pretty powerful. And if you had him on the second power play unit, um, it's, again, Wheeler, Schmidt, Pionk, Perfredi, and and Taze. I mean, that sounds really nice. It sounds really nice. I think you should go but home, the, Jonathan. Go the, home. Does he have it in him, though? Does he really have it in him anymore? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I get the feeling that both of them are probably going to stay. I, I get the feeling if there's anything that's going to happen, do, it probably yeah. happens in the offseason. But... Yeah, I I mean, I think it's mostly because nobody really wants either. Of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest, like, I, like you mentioned earlier, Kane with the hip, right? That kind of probably is, yeah, at the very least, he needs surgery. Hesitation, 
uh, from some other GMs. And as for as for Taze, I mean, I, I don't know how much more production you're going to get out of the guy. Um, yeah. I would think that the intangibles are still there and you can still, you know, squeeze a little bit out of that. And and with with the spot Winnipeg's in, it's not Winnipeg's not looking to add an eighty point score. Winnipeg's looking to make that kind of shrewd, they don't need to that shrewd move where, like you're saying, maybe he falls down to a, to a third line, and then maybe there's an injury in the playoffs. Now you got Taze can move up in, in the lineup uh, if you so choose. Uh, you know, centerman, he's great on faceoffs. Um, I mean, he's got a, a couple other intangibles that could help out for sure. And like I say, with Winnipeg, they're not exactly looking. They got the scores. They can put the puck in the net. They're not exactly looking for that. Mm, they're for sure. you're looking for, you know, just that shrewd kind of move that that's going to help and add a little bit for the playoff run. And Taze certainly yeah. fits that build as long as that's something that, one, he wants to do. Um, and, yeah. And two, that Winnipeg is interested in. So there's a couple things that need to come together. But, you know, hey. We're on. I just we're, don't we're, know we're, if they even really need it. We're on a podcast, and hell, we can yeah. we, we can we can put whoever we want wherever we want. That's right. That's right. But we're yeah, but, but you are right though. Winnipeg <laughs> is in a good spot, and you got to wonder if they even want to mess around with that right now. So, yeah, just because you got the the cap space doesn't mean you should go out and spend it. Exactly. You should just hold on to it. You got a couple of guys you may want to resign. Maybe Dubois actually likes it there, and he wants to resign, so you hold on to that space, so you can go ahead and resign him. So. Who knows? Uh, but before we get into the beauties and the beasts, let's just take a quick bake. Bake. <laughs> let's take a quick bake. That's not what I mean. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a big part of a big change. If it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Ready to buy something small with big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Beauties and the Beast. Beauties and the Beast. Oh. Mike, why don't you start us off with the beauties? Oh, hey, no One, problem. Two, I can do that. Um, I do have three beauties this week, as per usual. Uh, my, f- mm. my first one will be a very talked about player around NHL circles these days due to the trade deadline. Uh, time. And that is Timo. Timo Meyer. He is a 6'1", 220-pound forward, 26 years old. In 51 games this year, he scored 28 goals, 20 assists for 48 points. Uh, a minus 13, that doesn't really shock anybody out there in San Jose. And he's, he's playing yeah. just under 20 minutes a night, which is great for any kind of fantasy for sure. I mean, guys pushing 20 minutes, you can't, can't really go wrong there. What will be interesting from a fantasy perspective is where does he land? We've heard anything from Boston to New- I'd love to see this guy in New Jersey. I think that would be pretty pretty oh, I think that'd whoa. be I think that'd be pretty sweet. But listen, um wow. he's he's definitely gonna be uh, sought after, uh that's for sure. And whoever does get him is you know, here we are in the last segment talking about some impact forwards as opposed to maybe a third or fourth liner kind of deal. This yeah. You're talking about a first, second liner. Well, in all reality, you're talking about a first liner here that would probably move into your team's first uh, first line uh, and power play as well. So uh, he's had a great year out there in San Jose. Tough, uh, tough environment right now. The team isn't exactly uh, on fire per se. So, um, But he's been yeah. putting up some great totals, uh, just like Hurdle has this year. And, uh, of course, we've talked uh, endlessly about Carlson on the back end as well. So... I mean, he's certainly deserving of it. Uh, it's it's out in San Jose. It's his and Hurdle's team, obviously, uh, and he is taking ownership of that and and leading the way when it comes to production. Um, it's too bad they find themselves in this in the situation they do, uh, where it will be much more beneficial for them to move on from Meyer um, with his age being twenty. He's still like he's still young, but this is a guy who's going to yeah. need another contract here and. You got to wonder if the Sharks are maybe looking in a different direction. So, I mean, all the best to him. We'll see where he lands here over the course of the deadline. I, I do fully expect him to be traded from San Jose. I don't think this is something where they're going to hang on to him and work something out in the offseason or whatever. Um, but if you if you can get your hands on this guy, um, probably a good idea to do so because I do think there will be a bump uh, where where he does go. I, I mean, you got to figure he's going to go to a team that just has more options that he can uh, he can be more productive with, so to speak. So, uh, Timo Meyer, one of my beauties this week. Next up, uh, we're talking. We were just talking about the New Jersey Devils, and that's exactly where this player comes from. We're talking about Nico Heischer, the captain, six one, hundred seventy five pounds, twenty four year old centerman. He's a, he's uh, played forty eight games this year, twenty one goals, twenty five assists. Quite nice and even uh, uh, distribution there between goals and assists. A uh, total of 46 points. He's a plus 18, which should surprise nobody uh, the way uh, New Jersey can control uh, gameplay and control the puck, for that matter. Um, he's he's pushing uh, some good time on ice this year as well. 1919 uh, time on ice for Nico Heischer. I mean, this is a guy who's had a little bit of an injury history here to start his career. So, uh, you know, you, you could find some some GMs out there, and I'm talking fantasy GMs, some fantasy GMs would probably stay away, but for anybody who's decided to keep their hands on him and uh, um, hold on to uh, hold on to that asset, you certainly are uh, uh, 
getting the benefit of that now for sure. Uh, he's playing with Hughes almost. Well, I don't want to say exclusively, but he's uh, joined at the hip pretty well with Hughes. So he is ben- <laughs> he is benefiting from that as well. Um, listen, uh, this guy's starting to come to his own here. Twenty four years old. He's he's starting to figure it all out and 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 starting to realize what what he can and can't do. Uh, and I'm good on him. I mean, it, it's taken a little while. Um, we have seen, you know, kind of point per gameish production in spurts. Uh, you know, your mm-hmm. your 15, 20 game spurts or whatever. Uh, but then an injury's come into play and so on and so forth. So it's nice to see. I know he's missed a couple games this year, but it hasn't been much. He's really uh, he's really taken the next step, and it'll be interesting to see how things play out in the second half as well. Um, my third beauty this week had to kind of dig a little bit deep. You certainly don't want to go into the league leaders every week. Um, but one guy who kind of jumped off the page, uh, to me was Kevin Hayes out in Philadelphia. I mean, look, Marty, I think we were both kind of in, in agreement. We really didn't know how this was all going to play out here with Philadelphia with towards going there. It could have been an absolute shit show. Um, I, I have to say that I'm quite surprised in both, uh, individuals uh, uh, play as well as the team. And Kevin Hayes is one of those guys. Uh, you're looking at a 6'5", 216-pound yeah. forward, 30 years old. So, you know, he's getting up there, good veteran. Uh, in 15 ga- 50 games played, he's got 15 goals, 30 assists for 45 points, minus 7. Not too surprising. I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling a little bit that way. Uh, he's playing 1802 yeah. time on ice. And you know what? Like, this is a... This is a guy. He's never really he's never really been known as much of a much of a scorer per se. Um, kind of just I don't want to say a plugger either. That's kind of not doing him justice either. But just a good solid kind of second line centerman. Um, you know, depending on certain teams, probably falls down to the third line. Um, but the thing for me is the thing that really kind of got me, and especially with the All Star game just finishing over the weekend, um, his brother. And I and his his brother's yeah. first name uh, um, uh, eludes me, um, but it, it was uh, a big thing for oh. it was a big thing for him to be at the All Star game um, for his brother. So you know it was a big weekend for him. Uh, Jimmy, that's right, Jimmy Hayes. Jimmy Hayes. So it was a big weekend for Kevin. Uh, you know he it really meant a lot to him to be at the All Star game. I I. I I'm probably speaking off the cuff here, but I want to say that they, him and his brother had conversations, obviously, and I'm sure All-Star Game came up, and it was always something maybe that they probably both wanted to be involved in or in some way, shape, or form. So, again, big week for him. Uh, he's having a really good year. Uh, you know, he has been... Funny, he has been scratched at least once by Tortorella this year. I know that I know, but I just think that's Tortorella being Tortorella. Like, whether you're the top scorer on the team or whether you're struggling mightily, uh, you you're never exempt from being scratched when it comes to torts. So I, I don't want to say that's too much. Indi- no, I really don't want to say that's much indicative uh, of the player per se, but anyway, uh, suffice it to say third beauty this week is Kevin Hayes. Good on you. Keep up the good work, bud. Sorry that you got to deal with torts. Um, my beast this week. And I got to be honest with you. Once I really kind of looked at him and really dug into it a little bit, I'm like, Wow, why haven't I had this guy yeah. myself? I can't remember if you have, um, but, but I know I'll... I don't think I had him as a beast. But I definitely uh, we talked about how yeah. how disappointing of a season he's having. And we are talking about the Calgary Flames, Andrew, uh, Andrew Mangiapane. 
Um, the reason why he's my beast is plain and simple. When Goudreau decided to leave in free agency and Kachuk did fess up basically to the team and said, listen, I'm not going to resign. And they moved on from him. I do believe that they were hoping to get much, much more production out of Andrew Mangiapane. In 50 games yeah. played this year, he's got 10 goals. Now, the reason I kind of focus on the goals is, look, in, in 50 games, he's got 10 goals, 16 assists for 26 points. There's nothing really to write home about there. But this is a guy that's been known as a goal scorer. I wish I could bring it up really quickly. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was a guy that scored over 30 goals last year. Uh, I, I can almost say that's a lock. I, I, I For sure, I just don't know how many above 30. Um, at least I hope he scored above 30. I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, yeah, he scored 35 last year. So, uh, but that was obviously the most he's ever had. <laughs> so you were, you were looking for some some secondary production, you know, aside from a Hubert O in that first line with Lindholm. You were kind of hoping to get a little bit of a splash from this guy again, like at the very least, maybe 25, 30 yeah. goals. It didn't even have to hit the 35 per se. But suffice it to say, no. suffice it to say, it just has not gone well for for Mangiapane. It hasn't really gone well for the Flames. They're really still kind of struggling here. Still trying. Badzu too. What seems to me is they're still kind of trying to find the team identity. Um, I mean, it, it's been a rough go, but in particular with Mangiapane, that was really something that they were they were hoping to get a little bit more production out of, and it just hasn't happened for him this year for whatever reason. And uh, you know what? This week you fall into my uh, my beast, man. Deservingly so, and he was actually my beast uh, in week six, I think it was, something like that. Okay. Or no, 16, sorry, not six. Um, so he's been up there before, but it's certainly deserving because, again, like you said, like they were banking on him uh, being somewhat productive in the goals category. Ten goals in the direction he's going right now. If he lands at 20, I will be very surprised. Um, but there's the concept that he could get to 20. Um, but those 20, I don't know, not enough to go from 35 to 20 is a big drop. So, um, anyways, it's not all on him. Calgary's got to do some, some work themselves internally. Have a look inside. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I will, uh, get into mine, but mine's going to be more of a, of a prediction instead of focusing on any, uh, any like results over the last, uh, first half of the season because we're looking at the back nine here. So I'm looking specifically at you, Matthew Kachuk, Sidney Crosby, and Jack Hughes. Now, these three players are going to carry their teams into the playoffs. Again, predictions here. Um, they're all having great years already, but the break, in my opinion, did all of these three specifically some good. Um, Kachuk has the most motivation uh, to not let the President Trophy winners of last year fall out of the playoffs this year. So to me, and what he did in the All-Star, I believe it was a, he had a hat trick, did he not? Mm -hmm. uh, in the, uh, I don't know the names of the, anyways, doesn't matter. He scored, he looked good, there you go. Uh, and it was in front of Florida. So he's kind of, I think he's going to kind of carry that over. It's going to be his momentum going forward. So look to him to not just continue to have the kind of season he's having, but I think he's going to find an extra gear and really try to carry this team and show that he can be that kind of complete leader um, for the Florida Panthers. Um, next up, Jack Hughes. He just really wants this and he will be, he will explode the rest of the way. Uh, he's got 33 games remaining, and in my opinion, I would suspect him to land somewhere around 50 more points the remaining way, which is a lot. And it'll put him over 100 points, and I think that's honestly where he's going to go. I think he 
finds a second gear, really pushes hard with this team, and the rest of the team is going to do the same. So it's going to be a bit of a beneficiary of your surroundings, but also being kind of the catalyst that pushes this forward, in my opinion. Jack Hughes will be that for the rest uh, of the season for New Jersey. And then we have Sidney Crosby, currently on pace for 99 points, and I still think he gets there. It's not so much that he'll be on fire the rest of the way as much as he'll be the reason why they win those close games that kind of secures them getting into the playoffs. So while he's already playing very well and is already producing a lot of points, I think he'll just continue on with that again at his age. What is he at? 37 right now? He's 36, 37 years old. I think so, yeah. It'll be impressive to have this kind of consistency for the rest of the way and land somewhere around 100 points for uh, for another season for him. So I think that on its own says a lot. So I do think these three players help these these three teams actually get in the playoffs. I can't believe I just said that about Florida. How many times I've said that they're not actually going to make it. I'll say this. Florida's only hope is that Kachuk can actually do what I'm saying that he can do uh, the rest of the way. So if Florida does get in the playoffs, it's because Kachuk really picked them up and put them on his back and carried them all in there because... I don't see anybody else doing that on that team. And it's got to be done by him, uh, especially in the first season in Florida. Um, And my beast. And this, I feel, is a long time coming. Uh, Josh Morrissey is having the kind of crazy career year that not a single person on this planet predicted saw coming. No way, no how. Um, And I do think that from either fatigue or just hitting reality and hitting a brick wall, his season won't end with much more in the way of points than what he's already got. So he's got 30 games left going, and if he reaches another 15 more points the rest of the season, I'd actually be surprised with that. Um, I think he's hit his ceiling. Um, I, I think Winnipeg will be fine, but I don't think Morrissey really does much of what he has done throughout this season. I think it's too much to expect from him. So, yes, I would expect him somewhere around 10 to 15 more points the rest of the way, and that's just what you'll get. And, wow. uh, and there you have it. That, yeah. that is one hell of a take, at least when it comes to Josh Morrissey, for sure. I, I certainly don't think he'll be on, on a tear as much as he has been in the first half of the year. I don't know. I, th- I, would, I would think more than 10 to 15 points, but I mean, hey, well, 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 a, well, well, what predictions are for. That's They're exactly fine. what it is, man. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It, it, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good take. I mean, this guy's kind of come out of nowhere. Um, kind of obliterating his uh his career high as it is already and yeah and, and we still have about another what 28 30 games to go so um but we'll see yeah. what and he had a bit of a dip leading into mm-hmm. the um into the all-star break i believe he only had two points in his last four or five games something like that so he had a bit of a slide and those two points came on the last game right before the all-star break they were both goals so in our league that's actually four points in either four or five games, yeah. which isn't terrible. Um, but compare that to his stretches where he was getting like six or seven points in a four-game spread. And then again, some of those being goals. So it's either, you know, add another two or three or four points to that total. Um, that's kind of what he's been getting this season. He's at 53 points in 52 games, 10 of those being goals. So he's actually in our league, 63 in 52. Um, I don't know. It's still all of it just screams not realistic. So that's why I decided. To, that's why I decided to to pick him to have a bit of a, a bit of a bad back nine, and he'll uh, he'll land back where we're used to seeing him. Maybe. Well, we'll see what happens here in the second half of the season. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, especially when you're talking about a team like Winnipeg for sure. Like, it, there's yeah. lots of stuff that could be going on there. Well, well, hey, that, that's that's the beauty of, of of playing the games is now we get to see what kind of happens here the second half of the year and. 
Hey, listen, it, it's it's time. It's fun. time to buckle down, both in in the NHL and also yeah. and also our fantasy league. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, uh, you know, just as a side note, really quickly, I didn't mention it in our uh, uh, our around the board segment, but it will be interesting to see, particularly in our fantasy league, if uh, if there is uh, is as many trades as we kind of march towards the uh, trade deadline as we've had so far this year. It's almost like. It's almost like everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon and jumped on the bandwagon a little early. Yeah. Like things, things yeah. were kind of getting done before Christmas, kind of right around Christmas time. And I mean, it, yep. for any for any of those listeners that uh, that have been around for the first couple of years of our podcast, you'll know that uh, uh, there was quite a bevy as we went to the trade deadline last year. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, everybody's kind of done the heavy lifting or are there still some mini blockbusters, so to speak, to come. I've got one sitting right in front of me right here. I I mean, I don't think I'm going to go through with it, but I've been sitting on it for a little bit. So we'll see. Maybe something gets announced oh, today. We'll see. I hate this when you do this on the I, program. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but love it. Love it just I'll same. show you when I I'll, – I'll show you one way or another. Sounds like, sounds like a plan, my man. And there you have it. All right. Voila. Numero 